welcome to Top 5's The Show of Everything. Top 5's presented by The Sex Effects. I'm Joey Parati. And I'm Sean Day. And folks, we have just an amazing, spectacular, um, I would say stupendous show in store for you. But before we get to all our lists and reviews and uh, other things, Shawnee, how are you doing, <laughs> sir? Other whatnots. <laughs> <laughs> what have you not says. What have uh, you not says. Yeah. Um, I'm doing good, man. Uh, fresh off of seeing Black Panther. I think it's been like a day or two. Yeah. I think I, I saw it on I saw it on Friday. Oh, okay. So you saw it Friday. off the movie. Really happy. We'll, we'll, we've said before, we're going to glaze over this a little bit. Just going <laughs> to glaze go over right over it. Uh, over it. But yeah, dude, been super busy. Uh, right now, I'm currently uh, trying to help get the new studio up. Right so, on. So um, yeah, it's a lot, a pretty big process and um, designing things for the studio. So that's been quite an interesting thing too. And like how all the wiring is going to be going and what's going to be in each room. So yeah, it's super exciting. Technical, but um, very uh, like you're getting high because you're getting to design it, right? Yeah, but also a challenge because there there are some things you know other obstacles that come in the way. Right. Um, so you kind of have to work with what you have. So um, yeah, excited about that. But uh, other than that, man, buzzing off the Black Panther. Right on. Um, yeah. yeah, I saw Black Panther Sunday uh, morning, and it was amazing. It was really great, and I think uh, we won't get into spoiler territory on this episode. And Shawnee, I'll let you explain why. Um, but I thought it was a gorgeous movie, like literally the the finest looking Marvel movie to date. They didn't restrict Ryan Coogler in any way. Like he was given full yeah. range of his color palette, right? Um, the There's sequences with a purple sky that are just out of this freaking world. And there's a sequence with a waterfall um, that is just so vibrant and beautiful and lush. And, um, and the characters were all amazing. The storyline was... You know, I don't want to say it was fairly standard. I mean, it was, it had shades of like Lion King and, and you know, uh, oh, heck yeah. Yeah. on top of being a superhero movie in and of itself. Um, it was so grand, but yet so intimate um, in the way that it centered on a family and just a close knit, you know, group within that family. Um, yeah. So I, I, I really, really loved it, enjoyed it. It's my favorite Marvel film since the first Iron Man. It's probably right up there with Winter Soldier. Um, nice. if, if It might edge it out a little bit. But, <laughs> um, Sean, tell us about your experience. Uh, it was interesting. I went out with some coworkers of mine, and we met for some drinks before. So I had, like, two beers before it. Uh, but it was cool. We had reserved seating. We went to the Edwards Theater in Alhambra, and, uh, yeah, it was, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I think I fell asleep for just like five minutes. Oh, so just for five I, minutes. I thought you fell asleep five minutes in. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, it, it could have been anywhere in the movie, to be honest. I, I wouldn't remember. Like the waterfall scene, it's like I'm trying to remember that. So I definitely, it merits, you know, going back to watch it. I think it's, I really want to go. I'm excited now to see it again. And, um, again, you hit the points as far as it's a, it's a big group. It's the, it's Wakanda, like the whole, yeah. um, you know, that, that whole, uh, uh, city and, and the people around it, but also this tight knit group of family. And, 
um, you know, the role of the Black Panther and, the, and that, how that has it in, the, uh, in their, you know, world. And, um, and then, you know, Michael B. Jordan as, like, this villain that... Great. Uh, great, because they, they give him such a, a really good um, backstory and connection to all that tightly knit group of characters. Absolutely. And in his own way, the best villain is when you're, you're kind of questioning, like, oh, you know, like... He does. He has a good point in what he says. Yeah. And, and what would I do in that playing. situation? Like, would I? It'd yeah. be easy to see why he would do what he would do, and why yeah. you might do it too. And it's it's a perfect parallel for um, uh, for the you know the original Black Panther and um, you know his role and his you know him taking on being the king of Wakanda and, and that responsibility. Yeah. And of course, it is you know a guarded city and and the this whole thing about. Uh, vibranium and like the you know the precious metals they have and um, and then sharing it now to the world you know if, if they can um, so it, it center, centers around that conflict too so there's a lot of cool things going on in the movie and um, yeah every, all the casts really great his sister especially the one uh, making yes. all the gadgets for him she was amazing such a, a great like, comic James timing Q moment yeah 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 very much so um, yeah. I, I can't wait to see it again. I thought it was really great. Um, go out and see Black Panther, kids. Imaginary audience. Yeah. Go check it out. <laughs> um, really, I mean, that's kind of the only thing. That's That movie is dominating kind of all the headlines right now. It um, In the first four-day four weekend, it beat um, Justice League's entire domestic run entire 16 week run this movie beat in four days like let that just kind of sink in yeah. yeah um pretty awesome pretty amazing um but yeah what is it highest grossing for or highest highest grossing debut for a february movie or something like that ever yeah and is i think i don't know if it pre-sales i don't know if they hit i hit i think they hit something for pre-sale tickets too okay um but Second, yeah it's, it's amazing second biggest opening for a Marvel movie since the first Avengers movie. So that's pretty ah, big too. That's pretty big, man. Yeah. yeah. Considering so, uh, like civil war and you know, all those other films exactly. surrounding it, but it's great because we got that character in civil war. We got an introduction to him and it's great to now detach a little bit from that kind of story arc and those characters. And that's, what's great about some of these, especially this phase of Marvel films that are coming out. It's, they really sit on their, themselves as far as like a separate story being in a separate world yeah. rather than being on earth and the Avengers and Iron Man and all those guys down there. So, it, and it's great because they're leading to that kind of cosmic journey where they're going to be facing, you know, Thanos, uh, you know, in probably on earth first and then, you know, eventually go out to space. But, yeah. um, it makes me really excited for the next, uh, films. And now as far as black Panther becoming an Avenger, you know, I want to see him, in more films, aside, you know, aside from his solo films, but again, excited for also the other installments in that, in that friend, you know, in that series. So yeah, it's exciting, man. And, and then of it course, is. soundtrack's great. Freaking Kendrick Lamar, uh, the music's Kendrick Lamar. And then, uh, some original score too, as well. Um, and, uh, and yeah, as far as a, you know, I don't want to get political with it, but as far as a movie, um, that represents, you know, you know, the African culture and, and, and kind of this, the main theme I always feel like with these superhero films is working together and, and, you know, being as equals to fight the bad, you know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. It's, it's a great um, character to bring that to light, you know, especially in such 
divided times we still live in. You know, yeah, it's a, it's a great movie it's a great for our times. You know, and, times, and even yeah. even at the uh, spoilers, I guess. But in that post-credits scene, it's been in memes though, so it's not really spoilers. Um, you know, he says, "What is what's the exact wording?" Real leaders um, work to bridge communities instead of building barriers. And it's like, boom, hit the nail on the head right there. Um, This movie is how the kids say, awoke. Um, (laughs) Definitely woke. Yeah. Really, yeah, go out and see Black Panther. It's phenomenal. I'm really excited to go put my claws on and go watch it again. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, Yeah. So that's kind of, I mean, honestly, I think that's kind of it as far as entertainment news. This movie is dominating right now. Um, what else? What else? What else? I haven't, I haven't really read anything else. You? I've been out of the loop, man. Yeah. I've been trying to uh, just, uh, yeah. Jennifer Aniston and Justin Thoreau are separating. That's devastating. Do you think she'll get back together with Brad Pitt? Not really sure, man. Yeah, that's what no. we that's what we all hope, right? No <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> I mean, do no we? Thoughts. I don't know. Um. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, and dude, on, on a I mean, on a side note too. I mean, I mean, thoughts and prayers to you know there was a shooting yeah in Florida again another school shooting. Um, it's just it it it's just hard to like listen, you know, especially like reading the news and and I listen to the radio every morning yeah. and hearing stories like that. So um you know, my thoughts and prayers are our thoughts and prayers out to um the victims and everyone um yeah, everyone in that area and we have to, and the, you know, speaking of, you know, the films like Black Panther, it's like, you know, you think of even if this idea of a film and entertainment and, you know, people enjoying things and coming together and being at one and, you know, just being together to, to, for entertainment, you know, it's, uh, it's sad to think that these things happen, um, where we can't just all be, you know, it's civilized and, you know, I, yeah, it's been, it's been tough, you know, looking at the news and, and seeing, all this evil in the world and you know if, if you don't hate one group of people this person is hating you or you're hating that person it's just why you know like mm-hmm. um, I don't know yeah we, sh- we shouldn't probably get too political but it's definitely time that I don't know maybe some change happened that we kind of take a good look and think you know things could be done differently things that were acceptable Two, 250, 300 years ago, even though they're written in a document, maybe they don't necessarily. Although that gets, that's a slippery slope, right? Because I don't ever want the First Amendment taken away. Freedom of speech, we couldn't do this podcast, right? And say yeah, this sure. thing about our government without it. So that's that's the question. Where do you begin? Where do you end, right? How far is too far? Um, yeah. It's scary because those conversations do need to happen, Right. But uh, where do you begin? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. But uh, thank you. Because, yeah, thoughts and prayers to uh, Parkland. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
I got a touch of the laryngitis. <laughs> um, should we should we switch gears a bit and head into some lists? Let's hit the list, dude. Let's hit the list. Would you like me to go first? Would you like to go first? Joy, you go first, man. All right. Um, in light of our Black Panther party, um, <laughs> our Black Panther talk, um, Shawnee, what are your top five favorite MCU villains, Marvel Cinematic Universe villains? Ooh. Um, damn. I mean, Michael B. Jordan, after seeing Black Panther, and I don't, maybe, maybe it's too early to say this, but I, I really enjoyed the character they created for him and how he portrayed it. Uh, young kid coming from Oakland. And, you know, it's just great. Like, that story and that kind of... You, he almost says that, like, this is the life that I would have had. Um, and I guess a slight spoiler, his character uh, was pretty much taken away from Wakanda and wasn't, you know, part of that society. So his role is kind of taking back his right, especially to be king and to, to you know, try to take over Wakanda. But that, you know, it's crazy because he missed out on uh, those certain aspects of society and, and that's his people. So it's like, it's a, such a great character that they created for him because he has, he has this conflict and he has this, uh, this kind of, um, uh, I don't know, like thinking as far as, as far as he, he, he has, I would agree with him in, in some way or form, but it's the way he executed it and got a chance to, you know, take, take back what was his and, you know, the, the process in that. Um, so yeah, he's, the, he's a pretty complex villain, dude. And I really, like he him. is. Yeah. Kill, I do kill, too. Killmonger. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was, uh, definitely very entertaining and, um, but also, you can you agreed with his motives in some you know in some way and oh, yeah. I think that w- that's what makes a good villain is someone that you they bridge they're kind of like walking that that line uh, between kind of the good but there's certain qualities about the character that turns him bad or makes him bad in that way but they could see themselves as good like oh yeah you know it's not a good villain if or antagonist if they don't see themselves as the protagonist in their own twisted yeah. version of the story. Um, motivation to do those things. So yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, Killmonger and I. I don't know where to put him. I mean, let's just say. F- I don't know, dude. <laughs> two. I'm gonna go two. All right. That's probably one of my favorite, favorite ones so far. Nice. Um, dude, number one, Loki. Yeah. He and he's. It's the same thing, man. The anti-hero, like the guy who's just. He's the god of mischief. So, he, you know, he, he's been, you know, tugged out a bunch from his brother, Thor, and, and you know, you, you can tell that they, they love each other in some way, you know, they, they're a family, um, but he's the god of mischief, and he has his, his, his old habits, and, and, you know, even though he's trying to make new ones and try to be good in some of the new installments of the, of the Thor films, especially Ragnarok, like, you could tell, like, oh, he's, you know, he's helping out, but there's also, like, those little things that, you know, keeps him keeps him going to the dark side. Yeah. And, uh, and it's great. He's a, he's a perfect character to sprinkle into that series. And it, we, you know, met him with, uh, Thor and especially Avengers. He was the main villain in that. And yeah, especially my love for the first Avengers movie. I thought that was, you know, he was a really interesting villain and almost childish at times. And it's funny. The, the best parts are, 
you know, his interactions with uh, the other characters too, you know, like yeah. Thor. Yeah. And then of course Hulk and um, yeah, there's just so many different things about the character. So yeah. Um, Loki, man, he's like the, the one Tom Hiddleston. I mean, he's going to, he's going to Tom Hiddleston's career is, is, is because of that. I feel like his character in that pretty much. I mean, yeah. he's done a, a lot of good films, but I mean, he's known for Loki. He's the, the main villain that's stayed in the whole series. And I think we're going to see him in infinity war and I'm excited. Yeah. To see him. So that's two so far. Uh, three. Ah, oh, man. Oh, this is so tough, man. Oh. I can't, I can't say Thanos yet. So I'm going to not put that You're on the list. And table. Thanos. I think I think Table of Thanos. I think Infinity War is going to give us what you know their version of Thanos, and you know he was going to be interacting a little bit more with everyone, so we get to kind of feel what Josh Brolin can bring to the character. Um, so I'm going to keep Table in for now, but um, dude, I think oh man, Michael Keaton. Yeah. Dude, right, right. We can count, yeah, because he's part of the MCU. He is. Um, so Michael Keaton as the Vulture. Yeah. Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, another great character with that duality. You know, he's a working blue jean kind of guy. And he has a family. And you find out later that his, you know, his daughter is the girl that Peter Parker likes. So it's great. But he's also the Vulture. He takes, you know, uh, alien tech and Stark tech and, and pretty much creates his suit and you know, this whole business out of it. So it's a really cool character. Again, complex. He has a family. He's trying to, you know, be successful in some way or form, but he, he, I think he takes it a little too far, and that's what they show in the film. Yeah. So, uh, and again, another complex character. So, yeah. Um, the Vulture, Michael Keaton. Very nice. And we got four and five. I'm going to go... Ah, oh, dude. This is so hard. There's a lot of villains, but there's a lot of bad villains that like, that's always been the thing. Marvel's getting better at it. I feel like really writing in some good villains. They have to. I'm, I'm excited. To, yeah. I'm excited to see actually infinity war. Cause there's Thanos and like his other, um, you know, his pretty much his crew. And then you know, we got to at least get some sort of, uh, we got to see if these guys are worth the screen time and, you know, they got to, show us different sides to each character. So, oh man, good. Oh man, this is so tough. <laughs> I thought it might, you know, be. I, re- yeah, I, I actually really liked, um, oh man. Uh, nah. No, mm, okay. There's someone I'm thinking of all the, oh, dude, this is MCU. Does this include the TV shows? I'm so glad you asked that. Yes, it does. Ah, Robert Fisk. Um, Wilson Daredevil, Fisk. Man. Wilson, sorry, Wilson Fisk. Yeah. <laughs> Wilson Fisk. <laughs> Better known as the Kingpin. Um, yeah, dude. I love it. Again, a character who ha- has been brought up, kind of scarred from his childhood. And, you know, there's shots of romance. There's shots of pure evil in this character. Um, there's just so many different layers to his character in the show. Yeah. And I, it's great because I'm excited to, you know, I hope they show more of him in the third season of Daredevil. And um, yeah, what a, what a great character. And 
especially his interactions with Daredevil and, you know, how they were trying to see eye to eye. And um, I want more of that. I want to see that bloom into something else. So, yeah. Yeah. So let's do Wilson Fisk. Um, damn, dude. You only got one more, man. You're good. You're almost there. Uh, it's... Oh, what's her name? The 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 Asian lady from uh, oh from all the TV shows. Why can't I think of her name? Which TV show? From Daredevil, the uh, the Hand. Oh, oh. What's her What's her name? Uh, I don't remember. She yeah yeah yeah. She was in what the first or second season of Daredevil, or in both? I think. First season, but she's been like the main, uh, like middle person, like the main middle person for the hand, and so she's been in most of the shows. Like she's been sprinkled in each of the shows, and that's kind of cool see. because she's pro- she's probably the one of the um, uh, one of the biggest villains in the show. Madame Gao. Madame Gao. Yeah. Madame Gao. Yeah, she's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah. So I started pretty general right there. <laughs> I was like, that Asian lady. <laughs> but, you, uh, can, you can say that. Though. I can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, Madame Gao, like, she's in all, like, she's sprinkled in this whole kind of, uh, M- like, MCU cinematic universe, the television, the Netflix television shows, which I actually heard are staying on Netflix. Um, really? When Disney. Yeah, that's what I heard, dude. Interesting. Yeah. Nice. I've, yeah, I'll have to look into that a little more. But that's what I heard from the, from a uh, from John Campion. Well, that would make sense so, since they um, helped produce it. Yes, you know, yeah, that's cool. Um, but yeah, the her character is she's uh, very calm and collected, but very ruthless at the same time. Yeah, and it, it's great because we have some we have multiple shows that she's on, so we get to find out more about her, how she thinks, and her more of her character and. Um, yeah, just all the different things that has has brought her to pull these strings throughout the show. You know, she's setting up a lot of the things that are happening, and uh, including the what the hand wants her to do. And I believe she has powers too, doesn't she? Yeah, man, she can, like, it's been telekinesis, a w- I think. <sighs> I think she has telekinesis too. I don't know, because I've only seen the first two seasons of Daredevil. I have to admit, yeah. I started watching Jessica Jones, fell off. Never got onto Luke Cage. Heard it was boring from a couple people. Never got onto um, Defenders. Just I didn't think it looked that great. Iron Fist, same thing. Um, <laughs> but I do love Daredevil, and uh, and I really want to watch Jessica Jones. I really want to watch Luke Cage. But I, I actually just, I, have I did no the same desire thing for with, Defenders. Yeah, Defenders is all right. I think it got it got definitely sour because of um, Iron Fist. Yeah. And kind of the, the way that was executed, but um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's great to see these. You know, like they've been the, uh, Marvel's managed to create like this other kind of like set. It's like the same universe, but it's like its own separate little like living being. So um, and it's great because you know you have, you know, obviously with the movies, we, you know, you, if you've seen them from Iron Man and up, you know, you have a lot of characters that you have to keep track of. But it's great because I get excited because those, you know, you care about them so much. Um, and Daredevil is great because you had a, you know, a full two seasons and now going on three. 
shows to really get into that character and you know Charlie Cox and how he um, portrays uh, you know Mur- um, Matt Murdock and and that character and you know the last live action we saw was the Ben Affleck one and it's like it's <laughs> great that we get to see this happening I really li- actually really like the suit in the Ben Affleck one I gotta say yeah it's, it's, not, it's not terrible it's pretty it's not ter- it's it's kind of awesome it's pretty accurate for for what yeah, it is yeah um, I like that movie it's a guilty pleasure I don't know it is a guilty pleasure yeah there's some like the soundtrack's pretty cool too <laughs> <laughs> very um, early 2000s very just like a staple bands. yeah like Hoobastank <laughs> oh man fucking Hoobastank I, I hate them so much <laughs> but, um, but yeah me. dude that's 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 just how I um, feel <laughs> yeah it's it again um it's cool we get to see those shows at least and I, I yeah I fell off of um Jessica Jones and I rewatched it or I watched it finished it off um yeah did you finish I it off? wish I wished actually that Defenders was the longer show instead of um, Iron Fist. Like they could have done that. Although Defenders, it's, it's great. It's great enough as far as like, it's, you know, these small self-contained episodes. It's not so you have to like, like 24 episodes season it or 12 episodes season, you know, like, yeah, um, it's just enough episodes to kind of get, you know, like, okay, we got to bring all these characters together these circumstances from previous shows are leading up to like these guys meeting and all these little interactions, but it is a tease. I would say, check it out. It's a tease. Like the, the first like episode or two, like it's only, it's most of them separate, like kind of like in right. parts of the city. And then, you know, maybe two characters hook up and then that's how it kind of, that's what I didn't like about daredevil though. Like as, as good as daredevil is, and it is really fucking good there's a lot of fat to it. You know, there's, there's quite a few lulls and kind of few boring parts where it's like, this does not need to be, I think it's what, 12 or 13 episodes. Yeah. That yeah. could easily have been an eight episode run and it would have been prime, you know, just I prime cut, ahead. you know, like, yeah. um, you know, you don't need filler material, especially if you're binging on Netflix, like just give us the good stuff. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, you're not. You don't have to meet meet like a a weekly episode count. So, mm-hmm. just as long as it's good, that should be all that's matter because it's getting views anyway. But yeah, and we get it all all at once too. So yeah, so watch at your own pace, I guess. <laughs> good list, uh, Joe. Yeah, I will. I'm now curious to hear yours. What are your top fives? Um, all right, so number five. Adrian Toomes, The Vulture, Spider-Man: Homecoming. Um, Adrian Toomes. Oh yeah, I can't. I was like trying to remember his name in the. <coughs> Adrian. Toomes. I I loved Michael Keaton in the role. Um, honestly, like I remember, I think when Sam Raimi was going to do the fourth Spider-Man, it was either going to be Ben Kingsley or John Malkovich, which damn might have been even better. Um, but crazy, yeah. <laughs> Keaton was awesome, and mm-hmm. um, the the reveal you know the the twist caught me totally off guard with him being the dad and everything and but it was done really well it was you know spider-man's villains work best when there's some kind of connection to his you know secret identity um so that was awesome um number four obadiah stain uh iron man oh hell yeah dude jeff bridges freaking uh, jeff bridges yeah like just he's so like 
diabolical and like <laughs> and like in the end when he's in that giant armor suit is it just me or does that whole scene play like a video game boss you know oh hell yeah you'll never defeat me tony my suit's more powerful tony i just feel like that's a video game boss just spewing bullshit while you attack him like so <laughs> but it's jeff bridges so like i can't help but love it um yeah it's great with the cigars and exactly he's got that, like, shave cut and everything and he drives a segway yeah. so you know he's really cool yeah, um, but you're right. He ha- it's uh, with those villains. They have that, the connection to, you know, that's his connect. Uh, Jeff Bridges' connection to the to his dad. You know, yeah, Tony Stark's dad, and you know, so that's like, like the little inner circle that they create there. So there's a little weight to those uh, characters. Totally, totally. Um, yeah, everything Jeff Bridges did with that character is hilarious and interesting and weird. Um, the bald head and the beard is like whoa. Whoa! I know that's Jeff Bridges, but I got to get my bearings. Um, all right, number three, Bucky, Winter Soldier. Um, oh, that's okay. All right, they, you know, Marvel gets a lot of shit for every movie feels the same. Every movie's the same, but you look at a movie like Winter Soldier, and you know you want to shut someone up real fast with that argument. You point them to that movie. Um, because it is a spy thriller. Like, you know, it, what Marvel's doing has never been done before. And the fact that they're trying to make this cohesive Marvel universe, yes, some of the movies need to kind of look the same and feel the same in parts, but within the structure and framework that they've created, they're able to venture off and do offshoots of different genres, like Guardians of the Galaxy, like Ant-Man yeah. being a heist movie. Um and Winter Soldier is a 70s espionage thriller. And Bucky is terrifying as the villain. He's like the Terminator. He's unstoppable. Um, Robert Redford is probably the true villain of that movie, but Bucky is the is odd job, right? He's the scary henchman. Yeah. Um, Man, pulling the trigger. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think he, he definitely is, is a villain. Um, and, and it's great because now they're, they're switching his, you know, his arc up as far as him not being brainwashed and, you know, looks like with, I guess, spoiler on the end credit scene on Black Panther. Which I didn't see. Um, I only saw the first one. What's up? I didn't see the second, but I only saw the first. Ah. So I didn't even see the second was, oh, dude. So it's uh, Bucky comes out um, out of this, like, tent or something. Like, it's obviously in Wakanda. It's obviously in Wakanda, man. Ooh. But, I mean, we knew so, that they were there from the end of Civil War, right? Yeah. But, but he's there's awake. Some dialogue, there's some dialogue that, get, yeah, gets said, and um, it alludes to him, I guess, like, somewhat being cured. I don't know. I don't know. You, nice. You'll see. You, when right you see on. it again, you'll kind of get an idea. But it's great because oh, yeah. it's, you know, obviously they're trying to, you know, Steve Rogers and his relationship to him, you know, um, him trying to turn the winter soldier back and to, you know, make him remember his, uh, you know, his friendship with him, uh, especially for going back so far. Cause they're both men of, you know, they were both, uh, um, you know, men of their time, you know, as far as, you know, in that war. And then, you know, Steve Rogers was brought back to life pretty much in our time. So it's, it's, um, it's, it's great. Cause it's like these two people who share that, um, that experience too as well and so it's great that like you know the polarity of him being an evil character and then eventually 
leading to him becoming part of the Avengers. So it's pretty sweet. Yeah, dude. Pretty sweet. Pretty sweet. Um, we share number two, Killmonger. Yes. Um, yeah, I thought he is probably the most fleshed out and realized villains that we've had in the entire MCU. Um, it, you know, Loki's up there, but Loki never felt threatening to me. You know, he was he's charming, um, but yeah, I'm not scared of Loki. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, Killmonger, like, I don't want to cross that dude. You know, and but at the same time, I empathize with him. I sympathize. I I, I understand where he's coming from, and and have to check myself. Like, you know, who's right in this situation? You know, um, so yeah, I thought he excellent. Um, number one, Wilson Fisk, the Kingpin, season yeah. one and two of Daredevil. Um, he's excellent. I don't, you know. It, he that he he deserved a, a what is it Golden Globe Emmy Emmy I guess for for that performance so good um, yeah so layered and realized and and you know beneath the the random outbursts of violence a very childlike character at the at the yeah. center of it all um, really sad and beautiful but. Uh, <laughs> Weird to, weird to say that about that for was sad and beautiful. Who the fuck am I? Um, <laughs> all right. All right. Let's move on. <laughs> Those are our lists, our top fives of uh, MCU villains. Sean, you got a list for me, sir? Yeah, this one, um, I thought of this. It's a musical list. Okay. Sure. Um, it's, um, what was I watching? So I recently watched... Uh, Fred Armisen's, uh, I think, Netflix special. Um, oh, what's it called? I think, like, A Day with Drummers or, not, like, a Stand Up for Drummers. I think that's what it was called. Oh, okay. Stand Up for Drummers. You definitely got to watch it. It's an hour special. Um, he pretty much uh, has a room full of, like, musicians and drummers and, of course, the general audience. Um, and it's him pretty much talking about pretty much doing comedy bits with like drums and I guess talking about music and uh, yeah, it's really funny. And I didn't know uh, Fred Armisen is like a really good drummer. Yeah. And this is, this is really cool segment in like probably like near the end of the um, show where he, he has a bunch of drum kits like lined up in the front of the, uh, of the stage or like kind of where the audience is and it's different drum kits, I guess, starting from like the twenties and on. That's cool. And it's cool. He like, kind of goes through it and he plays it. But I mean, the jokes are really funny. You know, I can relate as a musician, um, but also like my brother was a drummer and, you know, I've been around a bunch of drummers. So uh, it's pretty funny. It's definitely Fred Armisen's like kind of humor, you know, kind of like just like he just switches gears randomly throughout, you know, certain jokes or whatever. And, and does his like his weird kind of like, you know, Portlandia stuff, you know, but, Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, so speaking of that, um, it was cool. They had, um, Trey Cool come on and do like a bit with him. Um, so it got me to thinking drummers. Okay. So, okay. Joey, what are your top five favorite drummers? Okay. <laughs> this is going to be sacrilege, but number one, I'm going to put Matt Helder's Arctic Monkeys. Um, yes. Uh, I He's 
excellent. He's got a great sense of humor. He can sing and play at the same time. Um, and he, he drummed for, uh, for, for P. Diddy, so it doesn't get much cooler than that. Dude, um, P. Diddy and um, Iggy Pop. Oh, fuck. Iggy Pop, that's right. I yeah. always forget that. Yeah. Enormously talented. Um, and just seems like a really cool, down-to-earth, funny guy. So, uh, yeah. Number two, of course, Travis Barker. Um, I can't believe he's not number one for me. Uh, but, you know, we grew up just idolizing that dude. And uh, uh, what what is it? Um, who, who's, isn't it Twista, the, the rapper who is like the most, he can spit the most words within the single second or oh, yeah. 10 seconds, whatever it is. I feel like Travis is that, but drumming, you know, he can do, he can go fat. He can go faster than anybody on the planet. Um, <laughs> so. And he, he like definitely establishes that. I mean, for, for Blink-182, he is like, I think the biggest talent and, you know, composition wise, like he's adding so many different th- like rhythms and fills and into like simple pop punk songs and it's it's a signature of his you know he has all these sort of fills and um yeah it's i love that about him hell yeah um number three tommy ramone um maybe you couldn't you know really drum that well but uh he developed a style or a sound um which correct me if i'm wrong is uh, symbols during the verses and not so much during the choruses, right? Which is kind of the opposite of what most drummers do, right? Marky Ramon had to, like, really concentrate and learn how to play like that when he took over. Um, But he really kind of was the brains of the Ramones operation. He was kind of the smartest one where Johnny kind of also, but because of Johnny's personality, (laughs) he couldn't do it, you know? Um, uh, and he was a wizard behind the control deck, right? He produced a bunch, all their best music. Um, so yeah, Tommy Ramone, man, fucking awesome. Um, I always feel like the drummers is usually the mastermind behind a lot of like the compositions. Like they're, they're pretty much setting the, the the tone and, and pace and, um, and to have like, you know, that production, part of it too you know being a producer and you know getting the sounds and yeah um yeah he did he, he did it all man um number four for sure raw power dave grohl nirvana um <laughs> like just the the opening fucking beats to smells like teen spirit just knock you into another world um it's so raw and just ferocious, but, and then you look behind the kit and it's just this guy with the biggest mouth and smile you've ever seen and just extremely long hair, you know, ripped abs and Nikes. You're like, what, what the, who is, who invented that guy? Um, you know, he looks like you took the most different parts and created the weirdest looking me character. Um, He's awesome, and I love him. And he seems like he has a really good personality, and and you know he clearly loves music with his entire being. Um, so yeah, Dave Grohl. Um, and number five, 
Uh, let's give it to Ringo Star. Poor Ringo. Ringo doesn't get enough love. <laughs> um, I mean, what else? Ringo. Can, you know, yeah. What, what can he say about Ringo? Octopus's Garden, man. Um, <laughs> Drum of the Beatles. Right? So, big, so, some, of the time. <laughs> some of the time. Some of the time. When Paul isn't in the studio. Um, but, uh, yeah. Those are those are my top five. Good top five, Shawnee. Very good. Now just imagine you, all your drummers jamming in the same room at the same time. That'd be a noisy, be loud inside. fucking room. I don't know if I'd want to be in there for long. <laughs> <laughs> you never know, man. They'll all be in sync. <laughs> be pretty cool. Everyone gets their fill. Ah. Ooh, fuck. Guy Patterson. Shades. The oh, Oneaters. He's my... Uh, about the Oneaters. Yeah. He's my uh, my plus one. He's uh, he's really into Del Paxton. Yeah. <laughs> Del? Uh, <laughs> who does he talk about? Who is Del Paxton talking about? Uh, can he can he jam with us too? No, let's just keep this duet. Um, <laughs> God, I can't remember the name. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's going to kill me. If you guys don't know what we're talking yeah. about, we're talking about That Thing You Do, which is probably one of my favorite films of all time. So good. So good. Um, so good. <clears throat> something snappy. All right. Uh, <laughs> good list, Shawnee. Good, uh, you know, not my list. Good category. Um, what are your top five favorite drummers? I share, I share a couple of yours, dude. Oh, I actually fantastic. put... I put Travis Barker's one, dude. That guy's insane i mean that dude's insane yeah he's the way he plays and um he's just he's he's involved in so many things too as far as like projects and music and he's very active like as far as a musician and um it reminds me he reminds me of my brother because my brother definitely as a totally takes you know takes uh from travis barker and man that dude's a machine i mean he can just play and just so many complex fills like so fast that you don't even know what he's doing like it's <laughs> and but at the same time it's 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 uh consistent and precise like and that's what's great about you know a lot of these drummers man you know um, some of them you know very loose um drummers and the way they play but they really do set the tone and and the groove i guess for a lot of the songs that they're playing. So, um, yeah, I'm going to put uh, him at number one, man. Hell yeah. Uh, I have Dave Grohl at number two. I think he gets a little extra extra more credit because of he's just involved in so many different bands, and um, he is the leader of the Foo Fighters, and, you know, as a composer, um, you know, he, he, he knows a lot about um, how to put together really good music. Um, at the same time, he's very technical and, you know, has a interesting way of playing. Um, that kind of leads me to... And he drummed for Tenacious D. And he, yeah, he drummed for Tenacious D and he has them crooked vultures and he's probably drummed on a couple other, you know, uh, tracks. But that leads me to Taylor Hawkins, which is, oh, nice. know, he's a drummer nice. for Foo Fighters and as a very comparable drummer to uh to Dave Roll. He he's he's another animal in a in a way. And um 
I remember watching, uh, I think it was a Foo Fighters documentary, and I believe it's on Netflix too. You know, they their original drummer and some of the other drummers that came before them. I mean, they, I didn't realize they switched so many drummers in the, within the band. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of members of that Foo Fighters that have come in and out, but when Taylor Hawkins uh, came on board, it, it changed the game for them. You know, it was something that he was you know providing a really good uh, sound for the Foo Fighters the backing sound but also it's his sound it's like a different the way he's playing and you know very different to Dave Grohl you know that's what's great you know there's elements of what Dave Grohl you know coming from a drummer's perspective you know he you know I'm sure he's you know seeing how the song and how his drums lend to the song so um, so that's a that's a true test with someone who's a drummer and the lead singer and a drummer in the band so um, but yeah, he's his own, his own thing. And that's, what's great about him. Yeah. And, uh, and he's a killer singer too. He is. He's, he's a killer really good. singer. So, um, and I believe he has his own band too, or he's doing Jesus. singing. So yeah, it's a, another involved, you know, very highly active musician. So, um, yeah. So that's number three. I've got, uh, number four, Matt Helders, Arctic monkeys. Again, another animal on the drums. Um, drum with so many different you know he's getting picked up by freaking Iggy Pop and, and P. Diddy I guess so like you know he's definitely you know he's earned his role as far as you know being a you know a, a, a drummer in that light and yeah he as far as the Arctic Monkeys too man they're one of my favorite bands and we spent a top five top 20 actually <laughs> episode um, counting all those songs down and you know at the backing end of it the rhythm section of it it's it's matt helders you know holding it all together and and uh, you know making those songs fast you know, to, <laughs> uh, but also you know with some of the later music you know making you know kind of grooving with a lot of the tracks so yeah great great drummer man and um yeah love seeing him live too i think he's amazing live he's one of those but drummers it, that it, actually it, seems like he's having fun he's having a good time he's, while he's, he's doing, having you know? fun you you know like when you're watching the band usually you know you set on the you know the, the people up front and the lead singers, and then you know you, you feel the drums and that's what you you know usually like usually happens but like I when I see the RT monkeys I usually catch myself watching Matt Helders most of the time because he's you know, the show he's, he's just he's the show man yeah uh, but of course Arctic monkeys as a band they're they're amazing every yeah. single one of them so. Uh, that's number four. And then I have number five, uh, Buddy Rich. Ooh. Um, you know, definitely an, an older generation, uh, you know, his, but his uh, influences in, you know, jazz and kind of that big band sound um, and, you know, having such a long career as far as being a, a, a session drummer and a drummer for all these big bands. Um, he's so influential to a lot of drummers, I feel. And, um, his kind of way of playing and um, the, you know, he does tricks, you know, these, these kind of rhythmic tricks, but it's also very, it's, it, it lends itself to the music. It's not just a, you know, a parlor trick and a twirl. It's, it's definitely something, he's creating something different um, in the way he's playing. He would do this thing where he would take a, you know, some drummers play traditional style where you have, <coughs> you're holding the stick uh, straight and then you're holding the, uh, in the other hand, the stick, uh, the drumstick in like a, angled position and that's called the traditional uh, traditional uh, style or stance or you know traditional drum playing and that's how he played and he used to do this thing where he would put 
the drumstick in his elbow, the angled one in his elbow, and he would play on the snare drum, and and crates again very consistent con, you know uh, rhythms, but also being able to perform and play and, and and so on and so forth. So it's he's amazing, man. Um, very technical, but also he's influential to a lot of different music, musicians. I feel, and especially a lot of these drummers on this list and on both our lists. So, um, nice, and of course, you're that's very did. nice. Yeah, and, and again, he reminds me of my brother too because my brother studied the drumming of Buddy Rich, and that got me into his drum playing. And, and it's fascinating if you watch, if you find videos on his playing. You know, it's it's really incredible to see someone. Uh, play like that so and nice. I, don't, I don't know how we're, we're, we're both you know guitar players and you know I, I, I wouldn't call myself I, that anymore I don't know well hey <laughs> I, 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 I would still say that I mean you know You're I don't too know why kind. I never took advantage I, I don't know I never why I never took advantage of uh, learning how to play drums while my brother was learning but I can say this that I don't know how drummers do it I don't either um, you know making their minds work in separate ways I mean creating rhythms and in separate pieces of your body not only not only your left hand and your right hand but your right foot and your left foot have to be doing different things as well yeah what your brain has to be Um, thinking a lot for that and uh and singers or drummers who sing on top of that forget it most talented human beings on earth make them president (laughs) so to, to finish that list uh i would say a shout out to all the drummers out there so um, we love you drummers we love you drummers um so yeah and then yeah check out um Fred Armisen's Netflix special stand up for for drummers excellent um, I'm gonna do that it made me think of this top five tonight and um I don't know maybe I'll pick up the drums one of these days right on I don't I, I don't doubt that you could you're very musically uh inclined as as one's to say to do it, man. I <laughs> You you can you can I've seen you behind the kit. You can keep it you can keep a beat going. Um, it's more than I can say for myself. Um, all right, folks. So we have a weekly segment um, every week, as is it is a weekly segment. Um, it started with uh, movies and we finished that. So now we're on to Beatles records. So we started with Please Please Me, their first record last week. Um, and we are going by the canonical UK releases. Um, so that brings us to the Beatles' second album, their second LP, with the Beatles. Uh, Shawnee, have you uh, narrowed down your, your top five favorite songs <laughs> from with the yes. Beatles? Yeah, I'm going to say... so. Th- uh, this list was interesting too because um, I feel like I was more introduced to the Beatles through their one album, a lot yeah. of their kind of singles, and um, and then I kind of dro- you know trickled down to listening some to their older records, especially these earlier ones. Um, and it's interesting too because I I really like the movie Across the Universe and some of these songs. There's actually a lot of songs on this record that are in the film, um, and I liked you know I liked the Beatles version and, and I guess their cover of it. Um, but the, you know, it's like, again, the lyrics and all the different elements in each song really stick out and stand out to me. So I'm just going to sure fire it. It's going to go number five money. Nice. Nice. And I, uh, I, I didn't write the whole, uh, I think there's like another, um, oh, what's it called? Like another title for it. I'm sure there is. Um, I, that's what it's called on the album sleeve. 
just money, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I just want to make, uh, yeah. Okay, um, so money, uh, number four, Hold Me Tight. Yes. Uh, very, very, you know, like, lovable songs, you know, about relationships and... Um, they were still very much a pop band at this point. A pop band, yeah. Definitely, you know, sing about, you know, trying to get the girls, the ladies, and womb with, uh, <laughs> their, their, uh, ways, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Hold Me Tight, um, very catchy kind of chorus too. Do, 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 very do, pop, do. yeah. Tell me yeah. I'm the only one. The only yeah. one. But it still has that Beatles kind of doo-wop sound, you know, them all singing and, yeah, um, you know, you could tell, but it's great because you can start to hear like the guitars, you're starting to get a little, a little more twangy, louder, you know, it's, uh, it's, their sound starting to evolve a little bit. Yeah. Um, so money, hold me tight. Um, three, it won't be long. Nice. I, I really like that, that version of it. Um, and it's, uh. Again, yeah, it's it's a lot of these songs are just in that in that same vein, um, as far as poppy and and about uh, love interests and whatnot. So and longing, um, and and longing. Yeah, yeah. it won't be long. <laughs> uh, so that is number three. Number two, I got um, till there was you. Yes, nice. Uh, yeah, that's I don't know, man. It it was really tough um, to get these and. I feel like Across the Universe definitely honed me in on some of these songs, and I really, really want to listen to this record back to front again, um, just to really soak it in. Um, but till um, till there was you, uh, it just I feel like is it it definitely sums up the record and and the kind of feel they're going for. Um, and then my number one, All My Lovin'. Hell yeah! Again, so singable and. You know, it's you know, it's it's, it's about you know, loving and providing love and <laughs> Hell um, yeah. It's it, it's a it's a nice song and it's a very good song. It's a very good song. Yeah. yeah. Lyrically and musically. So yeah, those are my top fives. Again, uh, it's a tough listen. I haven't listened, you know, back to front. I don't think I even. Ooh, do I own? Ooh, I didn't even check my. I didn't even check my vinyls, dude, for that. Ooh, I I picked I it up a few months ago. Uh, in mono. In mono. you know it'd be so. kind of cool, dude. Oh man, I might have to. I might have to finish my Beatles collection. I'm I'm so close. I just picked up um, uh, which McCall Yellow Submarine over the weekend. Um, because oh, I didn't wow. I didn't have which McCall it on vinyl. Um, why am I blanking on you know all you need is love and have that song on vinyl. So that has it on there. So I'm very happy that I've, I've got that now. Um, but yeah. Second Beatles record with the Beatles. Um, they used the same album art for their American release Meet the Beatles, which was billed as their first record but actually released like a day or two after a different record that was over here. <laughs> I don't know why Capitol Records took all the Beatles records, chopped up all the songs, and then put them out in a different order up until... Sergeant Pepper, um, yeah, right. That's own like concept record. Yeah, um, or maybe Revolver. They were definitely still doing it for Rubber Soul. Mm. There's like um, the American release of Rubber Soul has. Um, I've just seen a face, but it appears earlier on Help, right? 
Um, so I, I, I don't know when I downloaded Meet the Beatles, but I remember listening to a lot when I first started dating Christine and like, they're just, they're perfect pop love songs, like for any generation, for any time period or anything. And I felt so betrayed when I found out that that was not the first Beatles record. I, I had it in my mind that that was the first Beatles record. And I don't know, about a year or two ago, I found out that, oh, wait, no, it splits. There's the UK releases and the American releases. Yeah. And, you know, I, so I was like, okay, now I'm determined to go back and really see the band's progression. Um, mm-hmm. So with the Beatles is the is pretty much the the album that I fell in love with, Meet the Beatles, save for a few different songs swapped in and out. Um, so I really love this record. But um, number five, uh, All I've Got to Do. It's a bit oh. of a slower one. All I Gotta yeah. Do. Um, um, and like, when you really listen to the song, All I Gotta Do is call you on the phone um, or is whisper in your ear the words you long to hear and I'll be kissing you. He's basically saying, I'm just going to tell you whatever the fuck you want to hear. I'm going to tell you I love you. Yeah, sure. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I love you. Now you're kissing me. Like, <laughs> they're being blatant about it, and no one picked up on it. Let's go. Oh, what a beautiful song. Like, no, he's an asshole. But I love it. I love that song. It's so good. Um, number four, George Harrison's Don't Bother Me. Um, is kind of a... Oh, man. Kind of, you know, you, you don't the whole album's pretty lovey-dovey until you get to Don't Bother Me, which is more of like a Ramones attitude to it, you know? Don't bother me. Yeah. Um, I, like, I agree, yeah. yeah you know, we're, we're, the Beatles are more I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, where the Ramones and George Harrison, it's I don't wanna, I don't wanna, I don't, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so, it's gonna have those songs too on the record. You know, it's, yeah, it's you need that. You gotta bounce it out. That, yeah, you gotta balance it out, change it up. Um, number three, hold me tight. It's so good. It's so good. Um, when John and Paul are singing together, hold me tight. It's like, there's nothing better. There's nothing better. You just want to sing along. You can't help but sing along. Um, (laughs) and then two and one, it was so hard to decide which is where, um, but I'm going to go two, all my loving, um, Especially the when they when they coalesce um, in the chorus, all my love, ooh, all my love, like yeah. when they all come together and kind of are doing kind of solo vocal shit, but then they all come together at the end. It's oh, it's money, dude. It's, it's so great. good. It's it's the way the Beatles have been changing. Like that's the evolution of their sound. Even the stuff they're trying. Yeah. As far as like vocally and in the studio and now they're like putting all that together and like thinking like, yeah, we should totally do that. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Um, <laughs> number one though, it won't be long. Yeah. 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 It yeah. won't be long. Uh, like the yes do it for me. Like I, I think the, it won't be long. Yeah. Yeah. Like that kind of plays on a loop in my head more often than any of the other songs on the list. Um, <laughs> it's up there like all time Beatles, favorite it's so good um again a sing-along song very like much has so that. yeah um yeah I, I don't know yeah 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 you know um 
but it's it's a very romantic record um this record and and the cover art is astounding the them in like the black turtlenecks against a black background you know it's just kind of oh, their yeah. floating beetles heads um <laughs> it's fantastic but yeah yeah the artworks that's great man it's it's simple yeah um, how'd you I, enjoy I'm, this record shawnee I enjoyed it. I, I definitely needed to go back and listen to it back to front. That's why I want to get the, be- the vinyl just to kind of like soak it in side by side. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. But again, some songs that I, I um, really enjoy. And I, I, I don't know. This has been quite a, so far, our second weekend. It's been a cool experience going through. Um, the Be- I mean, the Beatles, pretty much their, their music and their, their, you know, music tells so much about that band and, you know, their exp- you know what they were experiencing at that time and, and a, fr- a reflection of its time. You know, it's, it's a recording that, you know, that lives on as a part of history and, um, and for how influential they are, it's great. We get to, you know, take, take a closer look at some of these records and listen and appreciate it for what it is. Hell yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed listening to it. I definitely want to pick it up again on vinyl and just really watch and listen. And, uh, yeah. How about you, Joe? What, what, do you, you, you have it in your collection. Did you, how'd you, li- did you listen? Uh, did you throw it on the, uh, on the, uh, player? Or? I did. I've been listening to it, um, at work on Spotify, um, to just kind of get back into it. And I threw it on tonight before the show, um, while we were making dinner and, um, yeah, it's 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 such a great record, man. Like every song is singable and danceable and um and romantic, you know? Like it's not a heartbreak record, it's a falling in love record. Um mm-hmm. which, you know, heartbreak records get all the get all the love because everyone likes to feel pain, but you know, the falling in love records are pretty damn great too, you know? Um so I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> Fall in love. Um, anyway, so that's our segment. Next week we'll be reviewing and uh, counting down our top five favorites from A Hard Day's Night. So look forward to that. Um, that brings us to Sex Effect Share Time with the Sex Effect Shawnee. Do you have anything uh, that you would like to share with our imaginary audience this week? Um, I don't know if I've mentioned this. Sh- it's a TV show I've been watching on Netflix. It's pretty funny. And speaking of Fred Armisen, he's in it with Bill Hader. It's a documentary now. Fantastic show. Um, fantastic show, man. Uh, really funny. Every episode, it's it's self-contained because it's it's pretty much a documentary playing as a like a documentary, but a mo- it's pretty much a mockumentary series itself. And um, there's all sorts of different interactions that Bill Hader and Fred Armisen have in each episode. And there are different, they play different characters. So that's, that's the fun part about it. So, uh, oh, uh, the last one I watched was the, um, oh man, it was the, uh, <laughs> it was like a music documentary, funny enough. And it was, uh, the two of them, they're, they were like bandmates in this like Chicago yes. based uh, rock band. The blue, um, oh, shit. Yes, I know exactly and what I, you're talking about. I just watched it, too, and I cannot. 
Um, but anyways, yeah, the uh, uh, it's so funny because it plays such like a music documentary. The Blue Jean Committee. They're kind of. Uh, yeah. Why well, can't I? Can't, I, can't, I don't know why I'm blanking on the name. The the Blue Jean Committee. The Blue Jean, yeah, the Blue Jean Committee, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but it's it's hilarious, man. I mean, it's definitely a, you know, it definitely is a mockumentary about like kind of the kind of like a, a band maybe like the Eagles as far as like that band that lived in that time and they're from Chicago but they claim you know they had a California sound that was like kind of a whole joke about it and um, yeah there's a lot of really interesting episodes but they have just the flavor of Fred Emerson and Bill Hader and their kind of humor and uh, it's hilarious because you, you get it's like you know it's like you know almost like Chappelle show reminds you of you know like the skits and you know, every episode is a different self-contained thing, so you get to experience a different thing, but with these same characters. It's, it's very similar to, actually, Fred Armisen's show Portlandia. Like, he, he's playing all these multiple characters in the city, um, but this at the same time, like, it's just, like, a different um, different thing altogether. Like, every character is different, and... Yeah. Um, they, they do so well to translate that and, and um, make them so different and likable at the same time. But also you have that spice and flavor of Bill Hader's and Fred Armisen's humor in there. Well, each one is based off of a real documentary. and That's what I've heard, yeah. The, they, they painstakingly like use the same cameras and lenses and lighting if they can, you know, and, and props and everything. So it all feels very authentic and, and of its time that it's making fun of. Um, yeah. Like the... the, the the uh, blue jean committee <laughs> that one that they like the music even they had recorded yeah. and it's so funny because they give ba- bill Hader this woman's voice like they tell <laughs> they give the character like he, like he can hit high falsetto but they i guess they recorded like uh, a woman singing so it just sounds so it's just funny like hearing like bill Hader, this man you know this grown man singing with a woman's voice but uh, the music, like the music in it, it's like, it sounds like it's from that time, you know, like kind of 60s, 70s, you know, acid rock or whatever. But the guy's from Chicago, so. Chicago. Yeah. Uh, um, hell yeah. Yeah, so you guys check it out. It's a show I've been just watching recently. It's been out for a while, but. It's really good. Um, I had a chance to like really dive into it and just kind of watch a couple episodes. So um, check it out. Uh, other than that, man, nothing really right to on. report. Yeah. Cool. Oh, you do. Um, well, I want to direct you guys to this interview. This is old, uh, so I apologize that you know this came out February seventh. But uh, Vulture did an interview. It's called "In Conversation: Quincy Jones," um, and it is wild. Um, Quincy Jones is what, like eighty-five. And he's just talking mad shit about the Beatles, shit about Michael Jackson, the Trumps, how he dated Ivanka um, 10 years ago. Like, it's fucking crazy um, how Richard Pryor and Marlon Brando once had sex together. Um, it's If you want, like, just a fun... But at the center of it, he's talking about music and how, you know, the modern generation doesn't go back and learn you know, the roots of music and all types of music. Um, of course. And it just, he's so knowledgeable and interesting and funny and candid um, and just outrageous at times. So if you're looking for a really good, insightful read, 
uh, check out Vulture, Vultures in Conversation, Quincy Jones. So yeah. I actually I, I didn't read it. Uh, I, I watched a video that um, said some you know something about it. So I really want to read the original uh, interview. It's fantastic. And, uh, yeah, man. Yeah. In, in light of our music, a lot of the music we're talking tonight. Yeah. Um, well, that kind of wraps up things here on our end. Shawnee, before we go, uh, where can we find more of your work on the internet this week, sir? Uh, you can find me on my Instagram at Shawnee Music and on my website, shawneemusic.net. Why is that funny, Joe, man? where can we find you? I don't uh, know. Uh, you can find me at Joey Prodi on Instagram, but don't try. It's private. Um, and also uh, joeypricescripts.com you can uh, check out the show on Instagram and Twitter top5pod that's T-O-P F-I-V-E 5-P-O-D um, and also top5pod at gmail.com and Facebook top5podcast but please go and um, subscribe to us on iTunes and rate us if you can we have one rating and it's I'll admit it it's me it's me um, <laughs> so we could really use that um but yeah other than that it's been a fun show i hope i hope our imaginary audience has had a good time but honestly i don't care because you're imaginary um <laughs> did you have a good time shawnee yes it was a great time uh super excited to be talking beatles always drummers all sorts man and uh yeah can't wait to uh, podcast next week i can't wait either i'm i'm let's just do it tomorrow Uh, No, I gotta edit this thing first. All right. Uh, (laughs) Until next time, I'm Joey Parati. And I'm Sean Day. Thanks. Thanks for listening.